If you're a sports fan, you understand the importance of coaching when it comes to the success of your teams and for the development of your players. Coaches are like managers. They have the similar skill sets from a management position, and that is what we're going to talk about today. I'm bringing on a coach that's new in the coaching world, and they're going to explain what they've learned during their short tenure as a coach. We'll break it down today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Guru! What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of The Game Time Guru. You know me. I'm your host, Shane Larson, coming to you today with a good topic uh, that I feel is actually necessary, um, judging by some of the games I've been watching in uh, various sports, actually, and that is the topic of coaching. And to join me today, I've got Derek Etzel in the house. Now, Derek was on the show back when it originally started in January of 2017. You guys might remember him. We talked about some NBA NBA things. We, we even talked about some football back in the day. But uh, Derek has joined me again, flash forward another year and a couple months. So Derek, let's, let's have you introduce yourself and talk about what you've been up to in the last year. Yeah, I'm excited to do this. But yeah, the past year has been great. I had the opportunity to step on at the um, varsity level. I was helping out with club club ball and um i was offered a position to assistant coach at meridian high school what else is going on in your life right now um other than that you know um working on a couple side hustles right now um business ideas obviously always learning and progressing um and yeah other than that you know my family just moved to germany so just trying to stay busy while they're gone so that's 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 big news. Uh, Derek's been up to a lot in the last year. Business stuff, as we yeah. all know, we're all trying to trying to progress and learn, um, and as well as coaching, which is one of his passions. Now, uh, Derek and I actually met uh, at Bodybuilding.com. We we worked there together, and at that time, we worked in a customer service environment. And one thing's for certain, in, in my opinion, uh, this is one thing, Derek. I, I kind of actually want your opinion too, but I, I noticed in a customer service setting that sometimes the best customer service representatives don't always make the best managers um, because they're totally different skill sets altogether. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah. um, Different. I remember when I first coached agents, um, you know, in a call center environment, it was definitely different. I'd never been a part of that. Um, So yeah, completely different because you're so used to doing it your way. Um, and it's completely different trying to help someone understand why you do it that way, I guess. Exactly. So like that's, that's, that's how I'm thinking of it. And, um, when I became a QA coach and I was trying to coach, that's exactly what it was as a QA coach. I was trying to coach, um, agents in the customer service setting on, you know, how they should do one thing. You can't just say, well, I used to do this and I was the best rep on the floor, blah, 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 blah. I had the best stats. Like it doesn't work that way. You have to actually coach them because everybody has their own unique style. Um, and so like, just like, uh, you know, the best reps, the best customer service reps don't always make the best managers. In fact, typically they don't like that's actually how it usually goes. Like most of the time you'll actually see people that are terrible customer service reps that actually make the best managers because it's a different skill set altogether. I, I often find oftentimes find that the best players don't also make the best coaches because coaching 
is a completely different skill set when it comes to sports. Um, now you've started this whole, uh, the coaching, the coaching path here in the last year, like you said, coaching club versus high school, but what are some of the skills that it takes to be a successful coach in your opinion? Well, for me, and I'm sure every coach would answer this question differently, but for me, um, I would have to say patience is huge, you know, cause you want to see progress right away, you know? Right. So you're helping out young kids and obviously they're younger than you played the game just like I did. And you want them to just, you know, figure it out, you know, and quicker than it might actually show up on the court. There's a lot of patience involved and motivation um, and trying to understand kind of where they're coming from. You know, they're younger, you know, they're not as athletic, you know, they might not be fully grown, especially if you have like a sophomore in varsity, you know, compared to a senior, you know, there's just a different, you know, you're going through puberty, you know, you're becoming an athlete you're starting to work out more. So your body's changing. Man, those are very interesting points because I, and I kind of want to get to that in a little bit as well. Like there's, you're dealing with young men at this level right now, and, and they're all at different stages of their puberty levels and their maturity, and they've got attitudes and stuff. Yeah. And I was one of them. Like, I understand it. That's why I, I want to bring it up. Um, because coach, yeah, patience is huge, uh, as a coach. And typically from my experience, sometimes like those coaches, they can have patience to a certain extent, but then it's you, it's just the way they have to, it's like being a parent essentially, but you're being a parent to other people's kids that are, you know, teenagers in your, your situation. Now, where did you begin your coaching journey? You mentioned club ball. Can you explain where you began coaching in club ball? What what you were doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I got the opportunity basically she was part of a boot camp, um, and the person that was in charge of the boot camp, um, her husband, um, has been, you know, coaching for a long time. Um, he played at University of Washington, um, and then he's been coaching club ball, I think, ever since. Um, and so I reached out to him um, through my stepmom, and just basically told him I have a passion for basketball and I'd like to learn more of the coaching side. And he took me under his wing. Um, and the club team was called Boise Slam here in the Treasure Valley, if you've heard of that. Yep. Um, I didn't get to travel with the team because of, um, you know, work, obviously. Um, and I was just trying to learn as much as possible from him. So, you know, any tournament that was local, um, all the practices and scrimmages I got to be a part of. So that was fun. A lot of fun. And that's cool because uh, I had a podcast um, a little like probably more in the summertime last year, I had Adam Rankin on and he was discussing club basketball. Um, and we were comparing it to other organized, uh, basketball around the Valley here. And cause Idaho club basketball is now beginning to grow. It's, it's a big thing. And it's cool yeah. that you got to be in that, that realm. What did you learn in club ball though? That's different than the high school game that you're, you're coaching now. Well, the one difference that I noticed, I mean, obviously I haven't been around it a whole lot, but it's, seemed like 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 the you know they played with you know when they were super super young you know they grew up playing with these guys so they want to get on the same club team um i feel like it is more geared towards player development you know as to like what i saw um obviously you still you know coach a certain way and 
any way, but um, obviously they're in the off season and they're trying to get better as basketball players. So there was definitely a lot more player development that I noticed. So here's what I thought. Like, I mean, club basketball wasn't a big thing. It was not a big thing when I was in school. And I mean, let's just rewind about 12 to 14 years ago when I was going through the or sorry, the high school basketball game, um, just kind of going up through the ranks. And yeah, there was only like two clubs here and one was Idaho select and one was Boise flight. And that was it. Like there was no, the rest was AAU coming up. Like the younger kids played AAU or Y ball. And, and now, um, I noticed that like those club teams sometimes, they put together some good teams. They're kids that have been playing together for so long. I mean, just a few years ago, Hoop Dreams had some of the best talent around in the Valley. I mean, they had Isaiah Wright, EJ Boyce. Um, I mean, there's obviously multiple others like Ryland Bergeson uh, was playing. There's so many different, yeah. so many different um, players playing all together. It's like an all-star team. It's like the, to me, the club ball can almost become it's it's more fun in the sense of you're putting superstars together on a team um and they're having fun with it i don't know maybe that's just from the outsider's perspective but that's how it always looked for me for club ball compared to high school because in high school it's kind of based on your territory and where you live yeah the better players in that area um you're gonna get but other areas you know might be scarce where in club ball you know i was hearing stories of because idaho's very rural right it's not a huge metropolitan area. So kids were driving, you know, from Fruitland, you know, good basketball players to be on, you know, these different club teams here in the Valley. Um, even kids in Pocatello, one club team in Pocatello or something like that. So a lot of them drive to Boise to play club ball, club ball. Interesting. man. yes, that's an interesting point. So you assisted at the varsity level, like you told us earlier, we're in the high school realm. Is there anything that you learned specifically this last year that you didn't know before? So you learned something in club ball, obviously that's where you guys started, but what did you learn uh, that you can apply, implement going forward with coaching? You know, I learned that, you know, the players are going to listen to you, you know, at first, you know, being a new coach, I was definitely a little bit more tentative than I should have been. Um, Confidence is huge. You know, I've been playing the game for a long time. Um, I watch a lot of basketball. So I feel like I have a good understanding of the game, but just having these players will listen to you. You know, if you notice something, you know, you got to be confident with your demeanor when you talk to them. So that's one thing that I want to implement going forward that voice, you know, they look to you as a role model. And, you know, and since I'm a younger guy, you know, they look to me you know, as a role model. No, for sure. That's always, so. I always liked having younger coaches um, to be around us. The assistants were cool because they, they seem to be the more relatable ones. Like the head coach for us would always yeah. be the more strict one. The younger guys that were the assistants were the more relatable ones and it kind of balanced itself out. Um, I'm excited to see where you go going forward as far as like the coaching. Um, it's it's kind of crazy because that career you can't just step into it and dominate some people are born for it like to just do it but you still have to go through the ranks it's like any kind of job you kind of have to put your time in and you know earn your network your, your credibility right like yeah certainly and you know networking too just like in the business world you know um be open to meeting other coaches learn from them um but yeah i, to I totally agree one thing that I, the one thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that um, coaching is so, 
so difficult because you have to be able to adapt. Um, you have to be able to adapt. And when you're dealing with younger guys like yourself, like we're not even at the college or, or professional level, you've got to be able to adapt to the talent that you have on the, on the court. And let's just be real. I mean, um, in high school, you're kind of given what you're given and you have to make the best of what you got. So you've got to be able to utilize your strengths um, and kind of shy away from the weaknesses and, and try to cover those up. And it takes a lot of skill from a coaching standpoint, in my opinion, because you have to always, you have to always be putting in an offense that is, is more, I guess, geared towards your specific team, your specific skill sets. And that's kind of what I wanted to get into. Um, yeah the different styles of coaching. Um, you and I both play basketball growing up, you know, uh, in we, like we said earlier, yeah. you're dealing with guys that are maturing. Um, some are faster than others and there's a lot of emotion you have to deal with a lot of attitude. I mean, for me specifically, I always got in trouble for my attitude on the court. Um, there was always like, <laughs> we just had, there's egos. And, uh, yeah. during that time for, especially for me, right? Like during that time, my sophomore junior year in high school, my specific high school, we we had a varsity coach who had been coaching varsity for quite some time and was pretty reputable, but he ended up leaving um, right before my senior year. So my senior year, we got a new coach at the varsity level. So we had two different coaches and a lot of our players going into our senior year uh, were used to one coaching style. And then a lot of us that were coming up from the, the other ranks and we were new to the varsity level at the senior year, we were used to this, the new coach's coaching style because we had him before because he was a JV coach. Anyways, there was just two different styles of coaching. And what I wanted to talk about is like you have these rigid and strict coaches and maybe some more laid backs and empathetic coaches. What would you call yourself? What kind of style do you have or do you see yourself having going forward? You know, I definitely would like to have both, right? Both traits. Um, but I definitely am more of a relatable. So, you know, I guess the more empathetic side um just because i'm definitely a people person but you definitely have to have some sort of a, an edge to get some of the players going you know just like you said about adapting um you have to adapt to your player personnel yes but you have to adapt your coaching style based on like you said their attitudes you know you might have someone that you know gets down on themselves a lot you have to be able to motivate that player not put them down as much um but then you might have a a very, very confident player, and he might be really, really good, but you have to find ways to motivate him and get the best out of him and not always tell him all the goods. Then he might get a little full of himself, you know? You want to push the right buttons at the right times. Yeah, adapting is is so difficult, though. Like, that is the thing. When you are dealing I, – I try to put myself in my coach's shoes sometimes when I look back, and as I'm getting older now and I'm seeing these younger – the younger generation come up and I see – I go to a couple games here and there, and I'm like, man – I mean, there were there's some similarities between the way that they play now, and then there's some big differences. Like, but some of the attitudes, I can see myself in some of the kids, and there's other times where I'm like, dude, I would never have done that, um, the way that they were acting. And I'm like, dude, this would be so hard to be a coach, um, and just have to deal with that like all the time and have to adapt. But that is such a big part of life is adapting, and I think that's why coaches have a very very difficult job, difficult job because you're adapting to so many different things, and it's different every year. That's the thing. It's never a consistent thing. Like in any level, whether it be, you know, the youth going into high school, college, or professional, coaches never have the same team. That always changes. And so you just have to kind of yeah. keep moving forward. Um, do you think it's more important for coaches to adapt to the players or for the players to adapt to the coaches? Obviously both, but 
I mean, is important, but what's the most important piece? Obviously, yeah, I think the right answer is both. But, you know, coming from our perspective, of course, I would say the coach to the player, you are the older, you know, especially at this level, maybe in the pros, it might be a little bit different. Um, but at the high school level, you know, they're under 18, you know, and you're older than them. Um, so I think you have to adapt to them more so. And, you know, because they're looking to you as a role model. Um, so you definitely have to, you know, push the right buttons with each individual player. You know, they're still developing as men. So it, it definitely makes it tough, you know, because you have to be able to relate with each one, you know. I totally agree with that, too, because... I mean, while I think it's important for the kids to show some respect to the coaches, like I, I love your point on they're still young men still trying to develop and mature uh, at this level that you're coaching. I mean, yeah, you've already been there, so you got to be the more mature one. You got to be able to adapt and kind of lead by example. Um, yeah, I I have seen, and I, I want to see what you've what you could go through after you've been coaching. You've seen other coaches too, not just the coach that you're under and that you're helping out, but the other coaches from other teams. Um, how, man, it's it's crazy to see their different styles and how they adapt. Like I said, we had two different coaches my senior year. Our coach made one pretty pretty big change, uh, switched the offense completely. Um, to my opinion, I believed it was very beneficial for us while it limited some of our playmakers. It actually really, really, um, opened up the ability for one of our biggest playmakers who happened to be our you know biggest guy on the team, tallest guy. And he, he got the ball in his hands more and, uh, was able to more so face up cause he, he moved him from the post out to more of a three so he could actually face up from the wing okay. and drive. So that was like one of the biggest adjustments that I thought, uh, we made. And I, I mean, obviously by our records show that it improved and, but we had a lot of, you know, there was a lot of transitioning issues with, uh, other players that were used to the other coaching style, but what have you noticed that like, what's your favorite thing about some of the coaches maybe not just your coach but what have you seen that you can implement from other coaches that you've you've been around and you guys have played against this last season yeah that's i mean that's a good question i mean i was truly focused on our guys and player personnel for being a motivator as an assistant coach so i really didn't pay too much attention to other coaches um but as far as like you know just game goes um, you know, you should be able to implement, you know, during practice and during summer, um, different kinds of offenses, even if they are just pretty basic, but it might be something that you could build upon later on. Um, especially after watching game film and you're seeing, you know, a team plays zone and you want to run a certain type of zone offense. Um, but you haven't played zone all year. You haven't played a team that plays zone all year, but you want to keep that in the bag of tricks you know, later down the road, just in case someone does, you know, play zone on you. I would say for me, you know, that word adapt, you know, is really crucial when it comes to coaching um, because each team is watching you, watching your film and you're watching their film. So, you know, I just like to think of it as like a chess match, you know, that's continually going and it makes it tough because they might throw something out at you that you haven't seen yet, a set play that you haven't seen on film yet. And I mean, it is what it is, but 
you just have to roll with it. You're, you're bringing up like the changes and the, the, you have to think on your feet is a chess match. Perfect way to say it. Um, and I'm going to go into the next segment here. Um, talking about the Eagles coaching staff in the NFL. Now I've said this multiple times, um, on my show since the Eagles played the Cowboys the first time this last season, I've been saying this. That's why I said they were going to win the Super Bowl after they played the Cowboys the first time. I said it's because their coaching was unbelievable. The the adjustments that they made at halftime and the way they were to, they were able to basically win the chess match every single game. I knew that even when Carson Wentz went down, they had a good chance at winning because their coaching staff was unbelievable. And it kind of this whole cycle of like coaching. If you can throw something at a team, like you see with what they're doing. And you can catch them off guard first with something else. That's how you win. Against the Cowboys, the Eagles started running trap plays. They ran like six in a row. For some reason, the Cowboys couldn't adjust to it. Well, just this last weekend, I go to the state mm. championship games for, for Idaho. Uh, I was watching the 4A and the 5A uh, championship games. In the 4A championship game for basketball, it was, I believe, in the third quarter. And it was, I think it was tied going into the third quarter. But uh, one of the teams decided to just to they started pressing first and then they ran a zone for like three or four straight possessions. They ran a zone. They hadn't been running zone all night. Well, what that did is it threw off the other team. The other team was trying to, they were used to the whole way that it was going the whole first half. All of a sudden you make one quick change. And I believe it was like a seven to seven or eight point run to start the, the third quarter um, in that championship game, which kind of swung the momentum the other direction. And I mean, it's like you just said, you, you, have to play this chess match it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that what's like in in your opinion let's go to football who's the best coaching staff in your opinion i honestly thought the vikings were going to win the super bowl going in vikings were the hottest team they had the best defense so my money was on the vikings and i was wrong came in they adapted against the vikings and they dominated that game in the NFC championship. So yeah, the, the Eagles coaching staff was unreal. And that's what I kind of wanted to use as, as an example going forward for coaching. Uh, it's just amazing to see how they, they did it and other professional sports like basketball, for instance. Um, I wanted to touch base on this, the importance of coaching for, for anyone um, and how it can help a team. Obviously the Eagles win the Super Bowl, but uh, I know you're a Kobe guy. Uh, you're a Lakers fan, huge Kobe fan. Um, and I wanted yes. to touch base on Kobe and Michael. They had Phil Jackson. Um, and we can always say, like, you know, Michael was one of the most talented athletes. So was Kobe. Obviously, I believe they're both top three or top four all time in this whole discussion of who's the greatest. Um, and then there's LeBron James, who's in the discussion for the greatest of all time. And, and we're looking at his coaches that he's gone through. Now, how much of a factor do you think Phil Jackson played in those title runs for both Kobe and Michael? You know... A lot because he did it with both of them. You know, obviously you need other teammates around, you know, those players to win championships too. That's why Kobe really didn't win until he got Pau Gasol later on. Um, so you definitely need help. You know, I, I don't know if you were going to bring up LeBron's coaches too in this situation. I think Phil Jackson played a huge part in Kobe and Michael's titles. Um, where LeBron, I think a lot of it has to do with LeBron. You know, so and that goes to speak for his greatness. So it's it's definitely an interesting talk to talk about those three now. And, you know, I definitely have a lot of respect now for LeBron. I've never really liked him, but I mean, you have to respect his greatness. I mean, he's truly I mean, what the only player to have 30,000 points, 8,000 rebounds, 8,000 assists. It's pretty crazy. 
No, for sure. I mean, I used to hate Kobe, but I've gained a huge respect for Kobe Bryant and his game over the, probably the past five or six years, really. Um, as I as I look through it, I just was, you know, people make the argument all the time, like LeBron didn't have a, a Hall of Fame coach, whereas Phil Jackson arguably is the best coach to ever coach outside of Greg Popovich and maybe a few others. I bet Steve Kerr will probably get there one day. Uh, but some of these guys, like you see, you see the coaches that a lot of these players have, such as, you know, the Warriors even have Steve Kerr, which is the Greg Popovich line down as well as Phil Jackson because he played for him. And it's just crazy yeah. to see that they had such a good coach and LeBron hasn't. But it's like you said, like LeBron is a tougher guy in the sense of like he wants to be kind of like the coach. So this is where coaching's so important. Like LeBron has a different demeanor than Kobe, like Jordan Clarkson said. He has a different demeanor, a different way of leading. He basically wants to be the coach. So how do you coach a player? This is me asking you, Derek. How do you how do you coach a player that wants to be the coach? You know, obviously with professionals, you know, and uh, LeBron being in the league so long, you know, it's a fine line there. And I think that's why a lot of coaches kind of take a back seat to him. Um I'm sure he's a coach, you know, but it's different. We talked about this last time. The first time we talked, it's just different, you know, environment in that situation when you're in the pros compared to, you know, high school coaching, you know, because the players look to you as role models where, you know, LeBron's definitely not looking to you as a role model, you know, um, game. So I definitely, you kind of have have to take a back seat and definitely motivate him and push him um, to continue doing what he's doing because it's working. Still want to, I'm sure, put in an offense that fits your player personnel. I don't know. I've never been in that situation, you know, with one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So it's definitely interesting. No, oh, for sure. I just, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a tough thing, and that's why I try to give coaches uh the most respect i possibly can to end the show uh, it's going to be the guru's gauntlet just going to go through a few questions with you derek um that you can answer with as much as much as you want or it can be a quick response it depends on however you want to answer it but i'm going to start here since this is going to be a topic of discussion on a podcast anyways which we'll probably launch this week before this podcast with me and you actually launches so uh it's about the shot clock in high school basketball should we have one Yes. From a coach's perspective in high school basketball, if you have a shot clock, how does that change your uh, preparation for a game? You know, that's a good question. Um, I would have to see how it played out for a little while. Um, But yeah, it would be interesting because I think games would be just a lot closer, you know, towards the end. Um, You know, you see these teams, they get up by, you know, 15, 20, and they, I mean, they're just going to move the ball and they're not going to shoot, you know? So you have to pressure them and try to force them or, you know, foul, a bad foul shooter, um, you know, it would be interesting. I don't know. I'd have to see it for a little while to see how I would adjust my coaching style to it. But I, I think it needs to be implemented, but that's my personal opinion. I like it. Who's the best coach of all time in any sport? Yeah, I'd say Coach K. Coach Definitely. K. Coach K and why? I want to know the why. The way they play the game. Um, obviously, they've had top recruits there, and so is Kentucky. But I feel like Duke has always gone a little bit further, you know. Um, and I'm talking about recently, you know, during the Calipari days. Um, 
and a lot because I'm a North Carolina fan and I see the rivalry. It's very relatable. Like, I don't know if you saw senior night when Grayson Allen came out of Carolina and just, you know, the way his coach and how stoked Coach K was on his senior night. All that that kid's been through relates to his players, but yeah. All right. I like it, man. So um, last question for you here. Referees, how do you handle yeah. the referees when it comes to coaching? Do you like them? What's your relationship with a referee if you're a head coach of a basketball team? Do you like them or do you not? I try to get on their good side. If I ever become a head coach, I'm definitely um, – Shane knows this, but you know I try to be on everyone's good side. Um, so I definitely try to get on the ref's good side. Um, but kind of like what we were talking about before with some of the players, I mean, even though you have, even though that's your main, you know, personality trait, you still have to have some sort of edge, you know, and be able to, you know, persuade, I guess, you know, the refs, because there are times where it seems like they don't know the game as well as you, you know, or you see something they didn't and, um, but I definitely would want to be on their good side. So they want to give me calls, but nice. I like it. Yeah. All right, man. So where, where should we expect to see Derek Etzel in 10 years in regards to coaching? Do you intend on continuing on the path to coaching and learning more and becoming a head coach one day, or what's your plans going forward in that career path? Well, you know, definitely like we were talking about earlier about progressing, I'm always trying to progress and learn more, you know? So in this time, I'm just going to, be a sponge and absorb as much as possible, um, especially to see Meridian turn around. Um, this year we had a good year compared to the last, what, eight or nine years had trouble with basketball. So I'm going to just learn as much as possible. But 10 years from down the road, you know, yeah, I would hope to be coaching basketball, um, but it kind of depends on my career path and, you know, if I have time. I definitely always – want to do it um i'd like to have an impact in these kids lives and um you know share my passion of basketball with them well i appreciate you joining me derek and for everybody out there who's listening i hope you guys learned something about coaching or enjoyed the discussion uh regarding coaches and um Hopefully you guys can uh, continue to support the podcast, support Derek as well. Keep an eye on him and look out for what he's got coming forward. Uh, he's going to be doing some business stuff on the side. You sh- he'll, he'll have some good ideas that he'll probably implement here soon, as well as his coaching career. So if you see Derek Etzel in the news one day, uh, maybe I'll be able to say I got him on here first. I appreciate you tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.